0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Courtside Convo. Sorry for the wait. We missed last week, uh, but we're back. NBA season is in full swing. There's a lot to get into. A couple of teams that have taken the league by storm this early in the season. A couple of fights as well that have recently happened. We'll we'll talk about it all here, but uh, we'll start off going around the table. I'm AJ Evans, your host on this Wednesday night in East Lansing. Joined alongside a handful of faces, voices that... You all recognize, but I'll go around the table, everyone introduce yourself. How you doing, Joe?
1: I'm doing pretty good, AJ. I'm Joe Dez, sports producer for
2: Impact. Just happy to be here with you, AJ. Yes, sir. Doing good today. This is Martin Gillespie.
3: How's it going? I'm Derek Mitchell. Just happy to be here again. It's Tim Marshall,
4: back for another episode. Happy to be here.
0: Absolutely, boys. It's great to be back. Let's jump right into it. The in-season tournament has made its debut. Mixed results, I think, so far. <laughs> or at least uh, social media, I think we could say. Like, um, it, It's odd, you know, for the league. I think, you know, those of us who have grown up, you know, watching the NBA and, and seeing it every year, you know, this is – the start of the season is still in the air. You know what I mean? Uh, everybody looks pretty good at this point in the season. Um, I think this in-season tournament kind of throws a wrench just in the energy of the season. Uh, But I'll start with you, Tim. What, what are your thoughts on it and – has there been any, anybody that's caught your eye on the tournament so far?
4: Um. Well, the courts have definitely caught my eye. I think oh, they've yes. caught everyone's eyes. <laughs> I, it would be hard not to. Uh, um. I, I've enjoyed the in-season tournament so far. I, I like I didn't know that it was going to be like designated days where every single game on. I, I think it's been Tuesdays and Fridays so far have been in-season tournament games. I like the kind of structure with that, knowing, oh, tonight's a in-season game. It means a little bit more. There's been a lot more intensity in these games. They've had some close games. Um, I, I'm a fan of them so far. This might be another win for Adam Silver.
3: I really like what's going on with the in-season tournament. The courts are really vibrant, I'd say to me. they look Some courts look good. Like I went to the Pistons game on Friday, and our um, court looked pretty nice, but it was just different. A lot of glare in your face when I'm looking at the court, but it was... It is enjoyable. My favorite game.
0: How was the energy at OCA event for that game?
3: It was very good. There was a lot of people, a lot of people in the stands. A lot of people that we know were actually there too, which was cool.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Everyone's Snapchat story.
3: It was really fun. So the energy was good in there. A lot
2: of um Detroiters, a lot of big gold change, which I really liked. <laughs> but um, it was fun. It was a good environment for sure. Yeah, I've been loving it so far. I think uh it, it adds like when you have like that one night a week where you can expect the extra competition, mm-hmm. the extra energy. And whether or not people like the courts or not or whether people like to watch them, I think it's 100% a good thing. Just the effect of for years, if you see a clip like some highlight, you'll be able to tell. Like they all are so vibrant and they all have like that similar design with the trophy. So no matter what, you can always tell if a clip is from an in-season tournament game in the future. And I think that adds like a, a distinction from it where you always know that you're watching something a little bit special, which I love.
1: Yeah, everyone else has already talked about the courts, talked about the games so far. I got to touch on something else. Last year, UFC 292, $500,000 purse, in-season tournament, $500,000 purse. Starting to see a lot of similarities between the fights going on in the in-season tournament and <laughs> UFC 292, to be honest. Yeah.
4: <laughs> it's pretty good, yeah. It's been...
1: the. The energy has been crazy in those oh, games. Yeah. Oh, I know people are getting choked out. People are
3: getting slammed yeah. down on the ground. People Submission. really want that. One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. You can say
2: Draymond's name. It's okay. Yeah, I <laughs> know.
1: I was like waiting for somebody to drop it. But nobody did. <laughs> he comes around campus sometimes. I'm not going to be the one who says it. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm not getting choked out here. Let's, All right. let's yeah. go around Yeah, no, yeah. He's, He's come he right can make,
2: for Joe. Yeah. <laughs>
0: he makes his
1: appearances
2: let's go every run, semester. Favorite games thus far? Anyone have a pick of favorite in season tournament game?
0: I don't think I have a favorite game but I mean honestly it's the games where Tyrese Halliburton has played in (laughs) yeah he showed out so good we've talked a lot about him I feel like on the podcast so far um which I think is good because you know he's the star of a very small market team maybe arguably the smallest market team in the league I feel like no one talks about the Pacers but um he's ridiculous man the way he sees the floor and uh, you know, his ability to make plays for others. And he, he's just reignited this offense completely. Rick Carlisle talked about it like when he got traded, his first practice, he took things by storm. He was terrific. The ball was flying all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, not to bring college basketball into it, but somebody who kind of reminded me of him last night was Tyrese Proctor, point guard for Duke. Um, doesn't maybe affect the game as as much as Tyrese did at Iowa State, but I see a lot of similarities in I just think he's a star, and it's, it's really good to see. The Pacers are 2-0 in the tournament, so uh, happy that they're getting some national love. Yeah,
1: Halley and the Sabonis trade is like one of the only win-win trades that you ever see in the NBA. Yeah. The fact yeah. that both teams oh, yeah. got way better. Pro- or Pacers aren't really way better, you could say, but they got mm-hmm. a star to build
2: around now. I mean, yeah, this that last game against the Sixers, and this was when the Sixers were on a roll. There was power rankings coming out where they were sitting at the top of the power rankings, mm-hmm. him dropping... 33 points, 15 assists, 7 rebounds on 58% from 3, 7 of 12. <laughs> He's <laughs> like cooking. That's, like it's their their offense is unstoppable. Yeah, you know, you I know.
1: genuinely didn't realize they're fourth in the East right now. They are way better. Well, they're, they're both wow. going to be playoff teams, not on the Kings. It's insane. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, we'll see we'll see what happens with their defense in the playoffs. Hopefully they make the playoffs, I like guess it's, it's too early to, you know, lock that in as them as a playoff team. Mm-hmm. But Man, I guess, you know, when they just want to outscore you, I, you can't really stop them. They're putting up crazy scores.
1: Yeah, hard to argue against number one offense in the league. The oh, yeah. about earlier. Mm-hmm.
2: 132 points against the Sixers, and the Sixers are a good defense. They are not Dang. a bad defense. 132 points against them. I don't think it went to overtime either. No,
4: oh, it didn't. It was, that was disgusting. 132 in regulation, which th- is th- yeah. very impressive.
1: Yeah, Obi Toppin's breaking out to 27 points in that game. It's yeah. insane. Just,
4: Finally got, like, a new home. I feel like he was – no in New York, he really wasn't um, given the reins that a top-ten pick should have, especially with when he got there. They weren't a super competitive team, and they just – Tibbs never really gave him a shot. I'm sorry, who wasn't? Obi Toppin'?
0: He was just playing
1: behind Julius Randle for the entire year in New York.
0: Not to get into it about Tibbs, but – one thing that's always frustrated me with him, and it, I, I don't really get too frustrated with most coaches. I'm indifferent about a lot of guys. I really like a lot of guys around the league, but I feel like they're almost annually now for maybe the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years. There's been a really talented young guy in Tom Thibodeau's rotation that doesn't fit within his system or doesn't isn't good enough to be competent on defense for him, and they're not playing and I just I hate to see that I've, I understand guys need to buy in they need to be good on defense but you know for a lot of young guys being competent is is good enough especially in today's league um
1: you know they can't develop if they're just getting slotted on the bench not ex- minutes at exactly
0: any point. exactly you you literally cannot develop in the NBA watching from the bench it's not like you know the NFL where quarterbacks benefit from a year and a half of sitting and really watching and processing things it's not like that you have to kind of throw guys into the fire and let them figure it out and mm-hmm. I really don't like that. It seems like to- Tom uh, is really reluctant to do that, and he's been reluctant to do that with a handful of, of guys whose games I really admire. Yeah,
1: New York not been the best in the last few years. There was uh, one team, I don't remember who it was, that Merrifield once referred to as kind of like the island Misfit Toys. If you look at the Pacers, they're kind of in the exact <laughs> same situation. Obi Toppin coming from the Knicks. You got Miles Turner and Mac Mathurin were still on the team before. Tyrese Halliburton coming from the Kings. Bruce Brown coming from the Nuggets. Buddy Heald coming from the Kings. Aaron Naismith coming from the Celtics. Then Jalen Smith coming from the Suns. Pretty much all just picked off the street and then turned into a team that's been really good. Yeah, sure. With a
4: really good coach, I think we have to mention how Rick Carlisle has done with the Pacers. I think we mentioned him last episode. Yeah, but just he's been—he's a really good coach, and he—he he got a really good extension for a reason. He can be a coach that can lead a number one offense.
2: Absolutely, he is for sure. He doesn't move on to the Western Conference.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was just about to transition into that. So for it. Minnesota is 8-2 and to start off the year.
1: Yeah, in that first episode, we were talking about our predictions for who would be the MVP, all that stuff. I was talking about Zion, possibly, because he was the first overall pick a couple of years ago. I picked the mm-hmm. wrong first overall. It should have been Anthony Edwards. So baby MJ, crazy. Yeah. Hey. I see the comparison.
2: <laughs> I had it. I had it. And you I, had Edwards? He's, yeah, I said Edwards. And uh, it's been exactly what you expect from him, 27-6-5. and five crazy thus far along with a few very special games including that insane overtime performance against the celtics and Mm. handing them their first loss yeah the the timberwolves in general have just been the biggest surprise this year i expected them to be good and you know a playoff team absolutely but eight and two and looking like like one of the best teams in the league like a true contender that defense is super legit it's scary yeah, I
1: wonder if Rudy Gobert is going to go even harder after that Warriors game. Yeah, that's got something expert to prove.
4: <laughs> he's back to being the hate. Like, I feel like people kind of got on him last year for being he wasn't that good. To, and there was a lot that he was given up for him. But now we're kind of seeing, oh, maybe obviously the five first round picks and all that maybe was still a little bit of an overpay. But he's paying off a little bit. And I think. When Rudy Gobert is good, your team is gonna be good just because he affects the defense so much. And when you see a defense like they've it's even even though it's been a small sample size for this defense, you think it will carry on throughout the year compared to Indy and his offense. If I were to compare the two, they're both number ones right now. I would take the Timberwolves defense to sustain them
1: over the course of the year and have them be more successful. Do you think Kat's overhated right now? A lot of people are coming at Kat. A lot of people I've seen online.
0: Yeah, I I think he's been I feel like he's been hated, you know, really for the start of his since the start of his career. You know, he was a guy you know, when he was drafted, he was expected. He was drawing a lot of comparisons to not necessarily their playing style, but in terms of what he could be, Tim Duncan. And that's, you know, a ridiculous expectation to live up to. And he's Kat's been terrific, man. Like he is He's still, in today's era, a rare breed. Like, this guy is a a seven-foot big man who can shoot the cover off the ball. And I know there have been um, a lot of public concerns about his and talk about his toughness and his mindset or whatever. But, I mean, hey, at the end of the day, I think if you're good enough to thrive the way he's been able to individually, you've got it up there, whatever it is.
2: My issue with Cat is that, for one, his contract is not really, like, comparable to what he's worth right now because what he's worth right now is is at least this year not even all that great shooting wise and it's not good for a player to have a reputation i
0: don't know i mean he's I shooting 45 percent from the field 36 percent from three those are down numbers maybe for him but that speaks yeah. to how good he is how how much
2: is his contract right now i think he's getting a super max right now. yeah yeah and it's like that that's the thing it's you want him on your team, but not for five years, one hundred fifty-eight million. The thing maybe, is, for the Timberwolves, one fifty-eight. One fifty-eight.
0: Maybe that's that... actually. I think that's actually a bargain, given how much guys are getting today. True. I mean, Halliburton yeah. is on, yeah. I think, five year up to two sixty <laughs> because he just signed that. Like the contracts are going through the rule. Five years, one fifty-eight. That's a True. bargain.
2: I, I guess after the new, the way the new uh, contracts CBA, right? work, like after mm. the new CBA, it's more comparable. But I don't know, uh, guys who have a. A reputation for disappearing in playoff games and big games, and just like not being there in big moments. It's, it's difficult to get on board with them. So until he until he proves himself, too much. It's people are always going to be a little skeptical of his performances.
1: Yeah, I think for Minnesota. Those who else were they going to get? Like, yeah, small market true. team. They're not going
2: to do better. They it's going to be their drafted players,
1: or you're trading away your entire draft stock for someone like Rudy Gobert. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've done,
4: and they've. This is what they have. They have not. They don't have much else to that's expendable to get other pieces, so even if you don't like the cat contract, you're kind of stuck with it for right now. But I I agree. I think he'll turn it around. He's, it's hard to believe. This is, what, year eight for him? Mm -hmm. Like, he's he's been in the league for a while. You can trust that he will figure his way out. He's not such a young guy anymore where you can trust him in the length of 82 games.
0: Yeah, and I don't even, I mean, I get what people are saying in terms of maybe how he's looked early, but he's To me, he's even—he's not really struggling. Like he's averaging twenty and nine, shooting forty-five percent from the field, just over thirty-six percent from long range. Like, obviously, you expect more from him. Um, and I know numbers can be deceiving, but I think it's just a bit of a slump. You know, it's only a couple of games, but the fact that Minnesota is winning this much right now with him not playing as well as he is, I think speaks to how good this team can be.
2: They people have not been talking about his defensive leap. They have been much more committed this year defensively overall. I mean, having Jaden McDaniels on the perimeter is obviously any team in the league would want Jaden McDaniels. He's incredible on the perimeter. But Cat's taken a big leap too. He was just seemingly a little awkward at the power forward position with, you know, the big the two big pairing just wasn't working out for them in the past as much. But this year he's taken a leap defensively and bought in so much, and that's why they've been so successful in having that. Insane 102 defensive rating.
1: Yeah, Martin. I'll also give you a little bit of extra credibility for what you were saying earlier. Cat's uh, contract is actually four years, 224 million. So your argument was a bit mm-hmm. more valid there. Oh yeah, I think that what looked what. Pulled up earlier was the previous, 24? yeah, previous. Oh, contract. that must have been the previous. It's one, like sixty-one yeah. mil a year.
2: Crazy that he's been in the like league eight years. I know, insane. Right? <laughs> I I feel like most people still think of him as like a younger guy. Like oh a, yeah, you always like, think he's like
1: twenty-five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like
2: oh, he's a younger. Is guy. Is he
1: thirty? No. Is he thirty? No, years he's old? not. No he's
4: way. still probably twenty-six or twenty-seven. He's 28. twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Wow. wow. Nice. He's creeping up.
0: Yeah. Whoa. Today is his birthday. <laughs> oh, happy birthday, oh, Kat. Happy, to birthday, happy Kat. birthday to Carl. <laughs> <Anthony> <laughs> happy Birthday. Times. And that's crazy. I literally saw a tweet about that earlier today. Yeah, it's his birthday. So <laughs> it's twenty-seven
1: um, up until about nineteen hours ago. So <laughs> it's pretty really
0: cool. You know, and I think the I think his career trajectory is still promising. You know, we've seen a handful of stars who um they're play they didn't get playoff success or team success late into their twenties. You know, Jason Kidd talked about that. I'm a big Jason Kidd fan, but he just said, you know. Early on in his career when he was playing for the Mavericks, there was, even though he was great, there was talks about you know him being selfish and the Mavericks not winning. It was like, oh, he's a great playmaker, but why isn't his team winning? He makes guys better, but nobody's winning. Went to Phoenix, made a couple of playoff series, immediately got bounced by the Lakers, the Spurs. It was like, hey, this guy's still not helping his team win games. And then he said, you know, he said those were valuable lessons for him because he had to learn how to win. And a lot of times you have to lose to learn how to do so. Said he took all those lessons to New Jersey, and made back-to-back finals appearances. And he didn't do that until I think he was in his late 20s or his 30s and then the perception around him completely changed. So, hopefully we can see something like that with Cat later on in his career. I think so. And Anthony Edwards should also be leading the way alongside Rudy Gobert in Minnesota. Yeah. But uh transitioning a little further down south with staying in the West. The Houston Rockets are 6 and 3. 6 and 3 after dropping their first 3 games. They've won 6 straight, I believe, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got the fourth best defense, which shouldn't come as a surprise. Ime Yudoku is a defensive-minded coach. Um, I didn't think he would get them to buy in this fast, but Sangoon has also been terrific.
1: I wish Emi was a more moral man. I would have loved him on the Celtics. <laughs> I miss miss it so much. It's rough.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, but let's let's get into why why and how have the Rockets been. So good so far. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm a fan of a lot of these guys individually. I've always been a fan of Ime and his uh, ability to make adjustments, especially on the defensive end. Um, But what has stood out to you guys about this Houston team so far? I'll start with you, Tim.
4: I think they're moving the ball very well. Last year you had Jalen Green as the primary ball handler, and it's kind of like a vacuum when you got Jalen Green handling the ball as much. But this year they went out, they got – fred van fleet and now they've given Opera and Schengen a bigger load offensively i think the combination of those two things i think van fleet's averaging seven assists Shangoon's averaging six so when you get more movement of the ball you're gonna have better offensive stats and other guys are gonna have better um just better numbers
3: yeah i think um Bringing veterans into a team and having a veteran coach really does help. Like, bringing in Udoka, who's always just like him and Lasaltis was fantastic on the defensive play and offensive play, and coaching in the playoffs is really important as well. Like, bringing in somebody like that can really turn around a Rockets team, and now since they have the veterans and the talent to bring it together, I think they could really do something this year.
2: Yeah, I agree. I especially think it's relevant to this Rockets team when you have such a talented scorer like Jalen Green. He's a talented scorer and a shot maker, but... Mm-hmm. Not much beyond that. Yeah. And I think having a veteran point guard like Van Fleet and a vet another veteran like Dylan Brooks really anchors them or anchors him and helps him get a lot more like fluidity to his game. Beyond the regular uh, benefits of veteran presence with him specifically, he can get a little too out of control. He's not a great decision maker. yes. but putting him in the role where he just has to get buckets and he doesn't have to think about the decision making seems to have really helped him out.
1: Yeah, Martin, I'm happy that brought up Dylan Brooks. I, I do think that he's going a little too far with the Dylan the Villain thing. Like, you know, he's going to be standing at the edge of the court staring down LeBron the entire time. So but funny. That yeah, Ben Vliet, amazing veteran presence. But his shooting so far has not been there. He's shooting like 38% from the field. But for Dylan Brooks, the guy's averaging 14 points a game,
2: 55% from the field, 53% from three. That, that's, that one was shocking because last year he was – one of the least efficient players in the league and <laughs> oh, yeah, it'd like, be like 28
1: yeah. shots 14 points yeah, crazy. i
2: i don't know where this turnaround came from oh, I, right. I he's being a lot smarter with his shot taking yeah. i think but it's even if you're smarter you're more selective with your shot selection it's still insane to go from what he was to a, like a 45 percent from three guy that's just an insane turnaround in such a short period of time.
1: He's shooting 16% better from the field, and then he's shooting 11% better from three this year. Jeez. Oh, 21% better, actually. I did the math. Here. 21% better from three. Crazy.
0: I could be wrong. I, I have no idea. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't cover the Rockets, but one thing I think that we saw in Ime's lone year in Boston was that he was brutally honest with his guys, especially the Stars. Tim, you and I have talked yep. about it. You know, he was upfront with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Like, you guys are great, but you are not good enough, especially on defense right now, to take this team to where it needs to be. And so I think he's he's taken that with him to Houston, and I think that's why we've seen a much more just disciplined team so far. I mean, we talked about Houston a little bit last year, but, you know, things were a mess down there. You know, like, I, I watched a handful of their games, and I was – Obviously, you could see that this was a promising young team with a lot of good young guys. But you, I, I saw horrible body language, guys arguing with each other, putting their heads down—just you know, stuff you would see in a high school game, to be honest. Um, and so, I think it's funny when they signed Van Vliet and when they signed Brooks. I think people just thought because you know a lot of people expected them to sign Harden over the summer, but a lot of people I think thought like um, they're just throwing money at these guys, like they don't really have a plan. They're just really looking to spend a bunch of money and you know they're not being smart about how they're doing it but I thought signing Van Vliet was one of the biggest things that they could do because he's been such a steady presence in Toronto for so long and you know Toronto still doesn't get the love that they probably deserve but you know you could immediately see his playmaking paying dividends for this team and same with Brooks I think I, I do think Brooks leaned into to a lot of that villain role but you know I know this is probably an unpopular opinion but I was a big fan of Brooks before all of that like I really liked about Oregon and he was just a tough guy. At one point, he just seemed like a very tough guy who played defense and made threes. And, you know, you love guys around that who do that around the league. And I think he's slowly but surely getting back to that in Houston. Um, and if I had my guess, I'm sure him and Ime have had conversations about that. Like, you need to get back to doing that, not whatever all this other stuff is. Um,
2: yeah, I, I just looked. He takes a lot le- I think he takes, like, five less shots a game. It went from, like, 13 to, like, eight. But I think that sort of intelligence is a lot more valuable to a team. You'd rather have that few efficient buckets a night than taking a lot of the bad shots he was at Memphis.
0: Of course not. And there were times we saw Memphis's offense last like, year was not disciplined. You know, they were so good with Job having the ball in his hands. It was like, hey, if things go bad, just give him the ball and get out the way and we're good. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Houston's certainly a team to look out for. Can I just we'll mention
4: one more thing with uh Houston for a team that's had this big of a flip after having a top three pick we haven't seen that top three pick do anything Amen thompson has been out so far after those first four games he's only averaged six points a game in those four so if they can get him rolling they could be really scary he might not have a spot right now in the starting five when he comes back but if he could lead the bench and be like a really good just six man for them they could be a it's still a little early for them, I think, but they could be scary in the future.
2: Yeah, we see what has done, I yeah. can't
1: imagine what Almond's going to do.
2: I am a little curious on how they're going to pan out like, long-term, like years long-term, because, I mean, we can all say right now, like no matter what happens, this roster is not winning you a chip.
0: Like, well, like well,
2: in mm. no way. I don't think anyone here is likely going to develop into that guy, but at the same time,
0: I think I think one guy could be a, yeah, a, a, a pivotal yeah, piece that you build I don't, on. Maybe two. I mean Jabari Smith. When this team bust, uh, when this team is really competing, I think there are two or three guys you can name right now that could be on the roster. That could be a big piece of it. I think it I agree. Jabari, Jalen. Oh, Sangoon too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm I'm just very interested to see because like, they have a lot of pieces, but they don't have like, they don't yet have that w- number one guy. They'd be one of those teams that need, would need to trade for that big number one who I would mean, hope to lead yeah, them. But it's just, I'm just curious to see how it will pan out, what moves they will make in the future.
0: Oh, yeah, but I, I think it's impressive enough right now just because, you know, there are steps to getting back to where mm-hmm. they were with Harden, where you're, you know, competing for Western Conference titles and trying to get to, to the finals. So, I mean, getting back to the playoffs should be the objective for, I think, the next two years. And then from there, you know, you got to reassess and see what you have to work with. But, yeah, no. I think – and I, Houston's a – it's been a pretty good, I feel like, destination. I think they've always traded well, and the guys that they have gotten they've been able to keep. So, I think if and when they get to that point where they're really competing and they're looking for that designated number one guy, they should have no problem finding him.
4: I wouldn't be surprised if I, – I mean, this might be where I go too crazy with the Sangoon stuff <laughs> where – but I think he can be something special. Like, a, a championship is – being a contender, you can't look at every team and be like, oh, they're not a contender right now. We have to blow it up. I think this is something where you wait and see. You see what Jalen Green can develop into. He's still our age, basically. Like We need to kind of be a little more patient, I think, with teams like this and just see how
1: it goes in the future. Yeah, it's just like the Thunder. Like, you can say right now no one looks like they're going to be the guy, but in a yeah. couple of years, one of them can pop out. Yeah, sure. exactly.
4: Like SGA, he showed flashes three, four years ago, but you were never like, oh, yeah, this is the – all NBA hey, guard. Yeah, they salty.
0: knew they knew in Los Angeles he was going to be a star. Doc Rivers and management were sick parting yeah. with him in that Paul George trade, and they had to do it. But they've they've said that on the record, like they were not happy. Yeah. They knew they were giving away a star point guard with that.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think that helps Houston too. Is Texas has no state income tax. Yeah, so, you can get free agents. Oh, free agent yeah. destination. But.
0: <laughs> Uh, trust me, somebody who lived down there financially, I know, I'm sure it's different for millionaires, but it, they find other ways to take your money down there. For the regular people who go down there, something <laughs> to keep in mind. But we will not get in, well, n- we won't get into that. Hey, Anyways, geez, real
1: quick, just gotta got get some dinner in it. Could we have a little bit of Celtic stock before I go? Would that be like you got it rearrange man. the show sheet a tiny bit.
0: Absolutely, man. Let's move out east. Let's hop on a plane right now, fly into Boston. Who's on right now? Currently leading, 76ers, 70 to 69.
1: Back and forth the entire match. Jordan Walsh nailing threes, which you're not expecting. Oh, yeah. Jordan Walsh.
0: But, uh, I'll send yeah. it to my uh, Boston correspondence for this one. I'll start with you, Joe, because I know you got to get out of here. <laughs> Talk to me about what you've seen from Boston so far, man.
1: Yeah, so I dialed it down in the first episode cause I didn't want to seem like a homer. Jason Tatum's winning MVP. That's just what's happening. Hey, He's, that's what I said. Right? Yeah, you said it. I, I said Luca because I didn't want to sound like I was being biased. I got intimidated by Sir Dak, to be honest on here. But it, I Jason Tatum's going to win it. Jason Tatum's got to get MVP. He's been improving every single year. <laughs> Guy's averaging 28 points, 9 rebounds, a couple assists, too. Drew Holiday, been an amazing addition, too. He's been playing better than Dame at points so far. Not really offensively, but Dame hasn't been himself at all on offense. Yeah. Just not expecting that to be how it was going. But then poor Zingas. Poor Zingas just accepted that he's going to be the 3 or 4. He doesn't need to be the number one guy, and he's fit in perfectly.
4: Yeah, he said he didn't want to really be. He's, or he or said, yeah, He said he didn't need to be, and that's not what his... His game should be if he's just sitting back there as the three or the four he can make so many more mismatches for teams where it was where Jalen and Jason Tatum they aren't very compatible but once you bring in Porzingis in the pick and roll and you get the switches and the pick and pops where Porzingis is shooting threes from like 33 feet out like it's it's been pretty cool to watch yeah think- their their mesh of offense
1: the thing from last year when people were saying that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown didn't really go together, it's just because they're so similar of players. Both of them can score at all three levels. They're high-level defenders. They needed someone to break up the monotony of just being iso, iso, iso. And now they've got it. Poor Zingis. Drew Holiday can hit a shot if he needs to. Not all the time, but it's a lot better than Smart, to be honest. And that heartbreaking to see what happened to Time Lord. So yeah. sad. But that's why the trade happened. Time Lord immediately out for the season already for the Trailblazers. Really, so sad. yeah
4: he gave his knee away in that 2021 finals it, like you knew like when you knew you knew it was happening at the moment where was, oh he looks hurt he's he's playing through it he was arguably the best player for the celtics in the finals the way he defended even though he did get picked apart a little but that was more scheme wise when he was playing in the drop that wasn't his effort he was still getting two three blocks a game running up and down the court when he really shouldn't have been with and his knee injury the corners yeah i remember that that was big yeah.
1: time. big prompt it's just so sad it's the same thing as i said thomas the yeah. celtics told him he was gonna Yeah. Be why fine. do you guys do that
0: i, I don't know, know.
4: <laughs> we're, we're kind of i'm not guys. a fan of that
1: i'm not i'm not either man yeah, we, these we, are we all guys love, we love but yeah yeah we all i was wearing a time lord shirt earlier today <gasps> i still miss the guy he, his blocks he had like one eight eight block game in the playoffs that season it was yeah. heartbreaking you should be ashamed of yourself. All right, um, both, of you,
0: both of you guys, give me, um, from what you've seen, what is Boston's record at the end of the season? And do they finish with the first seed out east?
1: Uh, the thing is, Boston a lot of the times kind of let their foot off the pedal near the end of the season. At least that happened with Joe Missoula last year. I could see us getting first. It's either going to be first or second. But I, I at first I thought there was going to be a 61 team, but the health could be a concern. Porzingis, I don't know if they're going to try making sure they're safe and healthy for the playoffs of the thing, so end of the season might start getting lesser and lesser minutes. I would like to say 60 and 22, but I'm going to say like 58 24.
0: 58 24. I like it.
4: My number was 60. I think it's 60 and 22. And they're 8 and 2 right now. So, I mean, it's it's a very hard team to beat, especially at home. They haven't lost a home game yet. I think they're, they could show flashes of like the 2008 team. I think they won like 40 of their home games. Like it was something insane where they just dominated in the TD Garden. It's one of the best atmospheres in the league. And I think just when teams go in there, they should not be expecting the win, especially yeah, you, with this team.
1: You know, I might as well change my pick. Though. I'm going to say 79 and two, or <laughs> 80 and two. <laughs> like oh, maybe. good grief. Pretty count. No, no I, I, I do think right around that 60 mark, like yeah. you said, is where it's going to be. It's like 58 to 62, probably somewhere between those four numbers of wins. It's a nice spot to be. Yeah, I know. Not too bad.
0: You love to see it.
1: <laughs> okay, not well, too. yeah, I appreciate you letting me join in for that. Real quick, AJ, I kind of cut ahead in the schedule. You guys are going to send back to the West, I imagine, for a little bit of Clippers talk, but appreciate you letting me on here today. Hope you guys all have a great cast. I'll see you guys hopefully next week.
0: Thank you, Joe. Yep. Joe Dez, everyone. The man, the myth, the legend. We'll uh, move back out West for a minute and talk about the Clippers before we transition fully to the Eastern Conference. Uh, As we talked about the Clippers a little while ago, I think maybe on our last episode was when that blockbuster mm-hmm. trade happened. That's the last Blockbuster will probably... Well, no, it probably won't be. Levine is probably on the move. Mm -hmm. Um, But the most recent one was James Harden being shipped out west back home to the Clippers. He uh, infamously said he is the system. He doesn't play with (laughs) the system. He is the system. Um, But things have not been very promising for this new system, so to speak. Uh, The Clippers are... 0 oh and four since the trade. 0 oh six. Oh, excuse me, I can't read. 0 oh and six since the trade. 0 oh and, and uh, six. Yeah. Yep. No rumblings way. that you know guys are frustrated. Kawhi. I, I I saw a game where Kawhi looked visibly frustrated. I don't even remember which one it was. But guys, what's what's going on out there? And can can LA turn it around? I'll start with you.
2: I think that. I think that they will get better, but I don't think that they are going to be the contenders that they want to be. I think that this is just too many guys who need the ball. What's their
0: ceiling, you think?
2: Like second? uh, Okay. Because their ceiling is is really high. The ceiling is really high when you have Kawhi Leonard on your team, when you have Paul George on your team. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how they're going to make it work with so many guys who don't function really well without the ball in their hand. They did some coaching as far as Russell Westbrook goes to make him better without the ball in his hand. Uh, one thing a lot of people have been noting is that he's been crashing the glass because they leave him alone on the <laughs> corner. So because they don't, they don't care if he shoots. So they leave him alone in the corner. He just builds up a head of steam, and he's been crashing the offensive glass. That's one thing he has been doing really well. But at some point, there's only so much you can do when you have four of these guards or forwards who all want the ball in their hand on the court at the same time. I almost want them to try something. Where they do like a a Kawhi, Russ, starting lineup, and then they do like they do like a ten man rotation where they do they have two superstars in the starting lineup and two in the second. Because
0: so like, you bring Paul George off the bench? Yeah. No. Like, no, like you can't imagine, I mean out. you could stagger them. Yeah. But imagine bring him
2: off the bench no, is insane. But, but like 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 Paul George, <laughs> maybe it is crazy, <laughs> Paul George and uh, Harden like as a lineup and then the other two is a lineup because I just don't see how they're going to have all these guys like it's clearly not working this is Owen, oh, by the time you hit Owen oh, six you got to make some drastic adjustment not maybe necessary. heavily staggering them like that's I'm I'm proposing big solutions
0: but. I mean my thing is and Tim we've seen this with the Celtics quite a bit but teams struggle like you know there there have been teams that have gone 40 40 plus games and it's like okay, we're fine, but something's off. You know what I mean? I think that's what the Clippers are going to be probably in a few weeks still. Something will still be off, and then all of a sudden it clicks. Um, I do think it might be a little too, what's the word, sentimental, but I think these guys understand what's at stake here, and I think they realize, hey, if we don't come together and get a chip here, we may not get a chip at all. And I just think it's going to take a minute. You have these four players with these – massive games and personalities and you're trying to merge them all on this one team and this one system, this one offense, You, I think you got to give them more than six games. You know, it's 82 games. Um that, That's just my opinion. Yeah,
4: especially for Harden who didn't really have a training camp and then he just yeah, gets he plopped
0: didn't. in. He didn't, and he talked about that. He's still trying to play his way into shape, which is so difficult to do. He's, I think he's going to do it, but – um we often forget about that. I feel like like, like missing training camp is a big. That's deal. a big thing. It's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Um. It's yeah. It's yeah. still
4: November. Like I think once if this is still an issue by the new year, say they're still under 500, then it start to maybe get a little more worried. But I I still think even if they're in as a seven seed and you see them as a two seed, you're not gonna be like, oh, at least we have the Clippers. That's a scary matchup. So I think they kind of just got to power through, be a 500 club, maybe a little bit better. And then – because that's kind of what they did last year. And if Kawhi wasn't out, they might have beaten the Suns. They gave them a good run in those first two games before he got hurt. And I think the way that they they play fits better in the postseason just with the amount of people who can operate in the half-court offense that they do. So I think they just got to kind of power through, be a 500 club, and get to April.
3: I think you got to give them time. They'll eventually come in, and they'll be able to play better. But it's just like this—not the rotation in the matchups I think has to change, like you were saying earlier, Martin. I just don't like it right now. Um, Not enough shooting, not enough passing of the ball, and just like they're not being able to play together because they're so ball-dominant. Everybody wants to touch the ball. I just think they have to stagger it a little bit, maybe – Paul George off the bench is kind of wild. But I mean, <laughs> maybe you can I wasn't just I dead serious. But I know I you get you. the what I'm getting at. They need to stagger it a little bit so they can start running some different offensive sets and not having four players who need to touch the ball on the floor at the exact same time. That's just not going to work. I said that in a couple episodes ago. That's just not going to work.
2: And and they I think they will because you know, in the first few games this season, that the the pre-hardened games they played, they were one of the best teams in the league. They mm-hmm. were playing extremely well. And I think any any team that has Kawhi with the way he's been playing deserves to be in there. I for think sure. he's had some inconsistency, but it's still Kawhi Leonard and still Paul George. You have guys who can give it just amazing scoring on any given night. So I think they'll figure it out, but who knows what'll happen as far as the West, given how competitive it is.
3: Yeah. Five hundred team is probably where
2: I'd say they, they didn't have bet. Yeah. I think I think the cutoff for the West might be like a like a 45 win team or something Mm. it's pretty good
0: we'll have to see what happens out there the West is ultra competitive and this year is no different but uh let's move back out East after talking about the Celtics Uh, let's talk about team that's sitting at the top right now the Philadelphia 76ers the team that traded away James Harden They're first in the Eastern Conference right now Tyrese Maxey I think it, guys, I I think he's developing into a superstar right before our eyes. I think it's happening in real time. Um, Are they a a legitimate threat to come out of the Eastern Conference with him playing like this? And also, too, is it sustainable? Is this just an explosion that we're seeing now with Harden out of the offense? Will he inevitably come down? What do you guys think? Tim, I'll start with you this time.
4: I think. The way that they've played has been very interesting. I think giving Tyre Geese, Maxie, the ball as much as they have has been extremely fun to watch, and he's been able to execute seven assists from Maxi. I think coming out of college, you didn't see that from him. You kind of saw – I kind of saw him and Emmanuel quickly on the very same level, and it's just Maxi's kind of taken off. It's taken off. Quickly's still a very good role player, good six-man, but Maxi's become – all-star level he'll be an all-star this year and i think it's just it's crazy to see that development nick nurse is a big part of this equation too being their head coach for the first year i mean eight and two that's that's no joke i number two net rating i think they could give boston a run for their money they already beat him once in the regular season right now they're down uh six points right now so i mean they can they can do some damage i think them and the Bucks, that would be a good series. I, I don't know. I still like the Celtics' chances over the Sixers, but I think they'll be in the, in the conversation for coming out of the East.
3: 100%. Um, watching Tyrese Maxey play in person is just honestly, he's so good. He's just really good with the ball. Being able to find his own shots and shot create around the block is really, really nice to see. And I like that he's getting his touches and getting his time, and he's definitely going to evolve as an all-star. He's going to be maybe first team in the next couple of years as the time goes along. He's just such a good, dynamic player, and I love to see that with them. They're definitely going to be giving the Celtics a run for their money, and they're kind of doing it right now. But um, the the 76ers are going to be a team to watch out for in the year, and they're they're probably going to be a contender, just looking at how they're playing right now. And they're probably going to keep this momentum up and this record up as well. So just look out for them in the playoffs. They're going to be great.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think the fact that Embiid is such an intense scorer and can give you such crazy scoring numbers and not be a ball dominant guy at all really compliments Maxey well cuz I think he needs to have the ball in his hands. And I it benefits him a lot especially because the system that the new coach is running is a lot, has a lot more ball movement and Tyrese Maxey just has a lot more burst than than James Harden does mm-hmm. right now. He's in his athletic prime. And that athleticism, I think, really completes what they need when they're trying to do more drive and kick stuff, more ball movement stuff. It's going to function for them a lot better. As far as the big picture goes, I don't know if I'm going to take them over the Bucks or over the Celtics. And it's tough because how far can you really make it without running into the two? Yeah. And at the same time, I don't know how, if I'm taking them over the Heat either. Like, it's the Heat. You know, what are you going to do? The Heat could just beat any person any team on any given day so i'm not sure how i feel in the grand scheme of things especially given their extreme playoff inconsistency in the past Mm -hmm. but they're definitely this is definitely the best version we've seen of this type of roster or maybe since the jimmy butler era Mm
0: -hmm. it's interesting to see because i think maxi's breakout season i think it was inevitable if there was a year you could have pinpointed it looking back on his career trajectory it probably would have been this year but you know the arrival of Nick Nurse has coincided with that, and so you can only wonder how much he's had to do with that. Um, Nurse is known as one of the better offensive minds around the league. Maxi's averaging twenty eight and seven. You know, and uh, to me, his his uh, for I'll just talk about it for a minute. But his trajectory has been so interesting because you know coming out of Kentucky, people were high on him, but he was known as a, a streaky scorer, a guy who could maybe be a spark plug in an offense or whatever, and that's what is. The early stages of his career were. Um, he was a big time spark plug. And after a couple of years, he transitioned. He was a starter alongside Harden and was still, I think, sort of a bit of a spark plug. He was the third option, you know, um, you could, or, you know, maybe two. Harden and, and Embiid were 1A, 1B at times. Um, and then now he's still, it's weird. His playing style has not changed. He's still a guy who you know, just has these bursts up the floor, and he still plays like a spark plug, but it's just now in this, like, heavy usage rating um, where he's constantly just scoring and making plays for others. And so that's been interesting to see, but you can you can just see the ceiling is just getting higher and higher and higher. Um, but to tell you the truth, I'm not sure if it's sustainable just because I think it's, it's so early in the season. I do think this is maybe a little bit of a, a surge, like a, a rush for him. Um and I think too he's gonna have to figure it out. Not to say it's like his rookie season all over again, but this is a new role for him where you you have complete control of the offense in some ways. You have a, you're you know you have complete autonomy. Obviously you have to get the ball to Embiid throughout the course of the game, but besides that, it's up to you to do what you want. So I think there are gonna be struggles that maybe come with that later on the season. Um, and when the playoffs start, it's gonna be all about making adjustments and how he responds to those as being the primary perimeter option, which he's never been before. But Man, I, I like what I see. Um, I really do. I I'd say I think he comes down, but I don't think it's too far. Yeah, I, don't I think
2: mean, it's,
4: too it's far. like twenty six. I mean, it's in hard in general. It's yeah. hard
2: in general to have a twenty eight point per game score and like a thirty two point per game score on the same team. Yeah, I, it is. I would be. Yeah. Sp- I, would that have ever happened before? Maybe maybe in like the twenty seventeen Warriors or something, but that's hard to have two scores. Yeah, like, it is hitting and that much.
0: If they're and if there's a duo that could do it, it's them. Just because oh, you yeah. know Embiid is so dominant in the post and and he's so dominant on the perimeter, and I think they play fast enough to where they could get enough shots for both of those guys to sustain this. But I just think for Maxi, it's, it's gonna be tough just because this is a new role to him, brand new.
4: I think Tatum and Brown might have been the closest. They were thirty and twenty seven last year, yeah. and I think oh, that was yeah. the highest scoring duo. Yeah. Like yeah. almost I think it was almost ever like um, for two players over wow. 25 points or something like that.
0: Yeah. And that's still insane to me as good as those guys are because they they're both forwards and they both yeah. command so much but I think the Sixers are certainly contenders. You got to look out for them. You're going to have to continue to do so. How far Maxi and Embiid can take them it remains to be seen, but the results have been promising so far. Moving to Detroit. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Things aren't as promising right now, or maybe not as promising as the record would uh, show. Pistons are 2-10. and Cade um, is at a bit of an up-and-down start to the season. He's been mm-hmm. really impressive at times. And then at other times, I don't even want to say he struggled. To me, he's looked overwhelmed because there hasn't been enough help. And... Um, that's been frustrating to see I feel and it's been frustrating for me personally I, I want to hear your thoughts on it Martin because I feel like fans are kind of taking it out on him right now and I don't think there's anything to take out on him I think he's just having to do a little bit too much more than what he should have to do um but one lone bright spot has been Asar Thompson we'll start off let's start off with the good
2: let's start but, off with yeah the let's start it with the good asar if he were on a team that was not going to be the worst or one of the worst teams in the league would absolutely be on an all-defensive team genuinely and it's insane that he's still at the point where you're expecting him to make mistakes and he's he is but not nearly as much as you expect him to he was incredible against Shea Shea's stop and start drives and all of his pump fakes have been torching the entire league as he put up you know 30 points per game last year Osar had fantastic possessions against him. He forced several turnovers, several near turnovers. He forced him to travel on one play, and he's been doing that to a lot of people. He blocked Jimmy Butler two times in a row on one possession, and it's been a marvel to watch. I watched him in person, and I watched him have some insane flying blocks that just just shouldn't look humanly possible. (laughs) It's scary. He's one of the best athletes in the NBA already, and yeah, is he maybe the worst shooter in the league? Maybe. <laughs> but he shot 40% from three during a stretch at the end of the OTE season, and that's from NBA three-point range. I'm hopeful on his shooting. He's a super hard worker, but everything has been going just about as well as you'd expect from Osar. Super raw, but just the talent is so obvious. I'm really glad that we're able to give him the minutes and everything. Because he's so raw, I would almost worry that on any other team, if you don't give him a ton of time to make the mistakes, it just would never he would never turn out to be anything more than a lockdown defender. But him getting the starting role, I think, will be really good for his development, and really good for this team long term.
0: Do you know how good you have to be as a rookie for the national media to be talking about how good you are on defense? Like, it, it, is, it is insane. And it's It's just been mind-boggling to watch for me. I I compared him to like a young Iguodala, but I think I think defensively he might be better than what Iguodala was. Um, Maybe not as athletic, not as big. Iguodala was very physically gifted, and is too. But he's not as maybe you know built. He's not as built, but but he's faster. Yeah, but man, he's been so good. Um, And we'll talk about him. Go ahead and talk about him now, or no? You know, before that, going off of that. We talked about him playing through mistakes and him getting the leash to be able to do so. One guy who doesn't have that leash right now is Jaden Ivey. And <laughs> um, I will say I was, I've was i been perplexed by it. If there's one gripe that I've had, I love Monty Williams, but if there's one gripe that I've had with him, it's been that. I think, look, you know, let's get this out of the way. I don't think the Pistons are going to be very good this season. This team is still incredibly young. Michigan State's starting lineup is older than this team. (laughs) That's nuts. (laughs) Yes. it's crazy. This team is so young. So I think you might as well let things go. You know, things do not last forever. Contracts in the league do not last forever. Ivy is in his second year. I think he's on a standard four-year deal, if I'm not wrong. I think if you want to make this a make or break make it or break it year, fine, but you I think you have to at least give him the minutes to do so. I know Monty Williams has talked about mistakes being made in practice, him not being as good where he needs to, or as not not where he needs to be defensively. I still think if he's as bad as the minutes or lack thereof are showing, let the games show that. Let the film show that mm-hmm. rather than let practice show that because frankly, I don't think this team is good enough right now for you to be benching a guy who's that talented for what he's doing in practice. And that might yeah. sound stupid, but that's just how I feel about it, being a fan of this team and the, this young court that I think Ivy is still a part of.
2: Yeah. As, as somebody who has watched the majority of every single Pistons game thus far, which has been very detrimental to my mental health, <laughs> <laughs> and – somebody who's very tuned into the detroit pistons communities on you know various social medias that is like the biggest topic of conversation almost every single person is bothered by it it seems seemingly it doesn't make sense from a continuity continuity standpoint given that last year he was given like all the reins last year because of cade being out they were they just said Go wild. He led all rookies in assists last year, and he showed a lot of promise. And it just seems weird for him to not have that. It seems I've heard a lot of people compare it to how Monty Williams, while in Phoenix, just seemingly had like a dislike for DeAndre Ayton, just wasn't really into him. And people are really worried that for whatever reason he just doesn't like Jaden Ivey and just won't ever give him the time. He got 11 minutes the other night. And it's like, seriously, maybe he's bad on offense, but this this team has won two games thus far. Yeah,
0: and my thing Come is, on. if he's as bad as the minutes are implying, like I said, let the film speak to that. Yeah. Let, the, let the game itself, if he's, if he's that bad, and it, obviously no coach wants to hear this, but let the fans see it, let the media see it. You know what I mean? Because the because the minutes will speak for themselves.
2: It's not like we have any anything at stake this season. Yeah, like you, seriously. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you
0: don't have anything at stake. You have absolutely nothing at stake. And I know fans are upset about that, but this team is going to be bad. And not because they are bad, but because they're super young. You have a bunch of kids that are still running around right now. So, you might as well throw Ivy into the fire and see what he's made of. I don't think there's I don't think that anything there's anything good that can come out of him. Being on the bench. The
2: the other bad thing is that right now when Cade Cunningham is on the floor he is creating every single shot that exists. Like every single one. And it's really frustrating to watch it because he looks frustrated. All the clips you watch him drive in immediately triple teamed every single time (laughs) without fail. Because you know in all those locker room discussions they're like oh nobody on this team can shoot. Not a single other player can self create just yeah. quadruple team him. It doesn't he's, matter.
0: He's averaging five turnovers a game right now. It honestly, like Two I know he's
2: made some bad decisions, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's getting triple teamed yeah. every time he goes up the court. Absolutely. And having Jaden Ivey next to him as another guy who can actually create his own shot and be a secondary ball hander, would I. I think benefit him a lot because you see it in the fourth quarter. Every single game, he has not really had an efficient fourth quarter thus far because he's just exhausted. You're playing him like 37 minutes on some of these games, and he's getting triple teamed every time down the floor. What is he supposed to do?
0: And that's what I was about to say, and this will be what I'll leave things off of. If You don't have anything else to add, Martin, but K just passed the 82-game threshold for his career, I believe, right? Very recently. Yeah, so this guy had a great summer. Everyone around the league was raving about him and how good he was going to be. Everyone knows how good he is. This is his first real taste, I think, outside of his rookie season, which I don't really count, outside of his rookie season of him being the guy. And not only is he the undisputed number one option, but there isn't really much offensively right now. That's not a knock against anybody, but there's just not – there are not really guys who can create for themselves and get their own shot. They really need Bogdanovich back badly. Oh, so bad. Um Ivy is spending a lot of time on the pine, so there's really not much for him to do. And so I think that's where the turnovers are coming from. But I, I don't I do not I'm not buying stock in the people who are, you know, trying to cast dispersions on how good Kate is because it's very obvious to me that he's a star in the making. It's just a matter of them providing him with the kind of help that he needs and this young core is going to be fine, but at the end of the day, it, it takes a while to build a team from the ground up, and that is what the Pistons are doing. They're not taking any shortcuts. They haven't been fortunate enough to land a guy like uh, Tatum and Brown or a, two, a duo like that where you can maybe cheat a couple of years, or even a guy like Morant where all of a sudden you go from maybe having two mediocre years to being a, a contending team out west. I think they just have a handful of guys that are really good, and Cade is at the top of that, and so in order for – this team to be successful, you're gonna have to do things from the ground up, and it's gonna take some time, especially when you draft all these guys and they're like 19 or 18 for crying out loud. Yeah, so.
2: I I have full, believe me, I have full confidence in the ability for this core to become a contending core or a very good core at one point, but I have concerns for how we're playing Ivy and how, at some point, Cade needs to play along other vets. He cannot play with other guys who are nineteen, twenty years old, and expect to learn off them. At some point, you need to play alongside vets, and I think he will be a star. He is that good. There's, he is really that good. But he needs the time and he needs a good roster around him.
0: But he certainly does, and he'll probably get it in due time. But uh, real quick, guys, Zach Levine is unhappy in Chicago. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. Um. Both Shams and and Woj have reported that Levine is likely on the way out, which is not too much of a surprise. I was joking, if y'all couldn't tell. But Levine is an interesting option because I think he's not necessarily a number one guy, which is what he's been in Chicago, but I think on a very, very good team, he's a number two option. Yeah, he could
4: Um, be a number two, even a number three in a case somewhere like L.A. If
0: he's your number three, you are in good good shape yeah so talk to me a little bit we'll just go rapid fire around the table where do you guys see this man ending up
4: I think if the Lakers I don't think it would be right I like their current construction they kind of just need to make sure the defense is staying strong and maybe get a little bit better on offense by small pieces but I think if they kind of blow it up and go for Levine that a big three of LeBron Levine and AD would be pretty scary
3: I like it. I like that too, but I'm gonna have to go with Miami. If Levine have on a team with Jimmy Butler and Bam, that's just a really, really good trio, and that could cook something up in the East. That's be more surprising, especially in the playoffs. They mesh together. I think it's they could compete with the Celtics in a way.
2: I expect Miami most likely, because Miami at this point has missed out on. More superstars than I can count. More all stars than I can count.
0: Who are they going to give up? Because I think that's been the problem.
2: Well, it's true, but at some point, I think that there's not as big of a market for Levine as some people think. Like I don't think he's gonna. There's going to be a huge, huge bidding war.
0: Yeah. But
2: at some point, Miami needs to make for their fans. I believe their fans are getting unhappy about you know missing out on Durant a while back, missing out on Dame recently. And I think that it just makes a lot of sense for their roster given they already have a playmaking forward. They already have a great center. It just it balances really well to have their center forward and guard be their stars. I don't see L.A. because L.A. I expect to make moves, but not until the deadline. I mean, this this core of players that has played like not even 40 games, considering they got together at the deadline last year and then they changed a little bit to this year. I think right now there's changes, but I think they've set themselves up in a way where they are very, very aware that they have the pieces to trade and bring in other guys to fix those changes. Mm -hmm. But I think they need to spend time to realize what the problems are. Like, I don't even think they they know what their problems are Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. It's
0: not listed on the show sheet, but... I can't take, even take credit for it. I talked with Jack Moreland, J-Mo, our sports photographer here, sports photo director, I think, here at Impact, or editor. I don't remember which one his title is officially, but he mentioned a destination that I think could be good for him, and uh, that's Brooklyn. I would like to see Zach wow. in Brooklyn.
4: That could work.
0: I would. I don't know how interested the Bulls would be, especially you know with his nerve issues. I don't know if you guys heard, but I would – ask them if they're interested in a package centered around Ben Simmons and picks.
4: I think the picks would be worth it. Cause they mm. are, they're going down a, a dark, they're going into a dark spot where they don't have the bulls. Yeah, the bulls. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. I, yeah. They're going full tear down rebuild. Yep. So they, they won't need, it's not like something where the nets kind of wanted to keep competing where they got Mikhail right. bridges and cam Johnson and picks.
0: And I'm, I'd be calling with that leverage. Like, hey, looks like you guys are tearing it down completely. You and want a bunch of picks in Ben Simmons?
4: There's not a lot of other teams that have that other, that max slot that the Nets do, even if it's not that very functional in Ben Simmons. Not a lot of other contending teams are going to say, oh, we really need Zach Levine. So I think the Nets could definitely make a move.
2: Yeah, I just, that'd be a little confusing to me. I'm not sure because it doesn't really put them in contention it just kind of moves them up a little bit, but not up enough to, like, really be a contender. I feel like the Nets... Oh, the Nets? Yeah. Oh. I don't think... that. I. It's just one of those things where it doesn't make them a true contender, but it just makes them a little bit better.
0: But I don't think... I don't know, yeah. I, I don't. I feel I, like they... But see. I think that's what they could use right now. Like, you can't skip steps. Like, I don't think... Right now, they're seventh in the East. They haven't really... They have a good young core, but I don't think they're a team that anybody's checking for to be in the playoffs right now. And then,
4: now. No. it really, like... it. One one guy gets hurt, and then all of a sudden you're the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like things just break weird ways in the playoffs, where even if you're a five or a six seed, you could somehow get a chance, and like one rolled ankle, and then somehow you're in the finals. Like it, it's there's not that big of a difference sometimes when it comes to that stuff.
2: It's true. I think they're young enough to wait, but they could also make the move to stay in a contention while they have this this pretty great roster that they have right cuz they
4: don't have their own picks they have the suns picks which is yeah. a very different thing cuz their picks are in Houston right now uh-huh
0: yeah so they got a million of those all right well is there anything else anybody would like to add about the eastern conference before we get ready to conclude
2: did we already do halliburton love yeah yeah, yeah nice. we, we did about it. It. i, I can't about remember right if later. we brought it up yet oh yeah if we did oh we did with the in-season tournament that's right
0: um okay so rapid fire here if the season ended right now who's on your guys' NBA first team?
4: I'll get us started I'll go with Steph Curry and Luka as my guards Mm. I'll go with Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant as my forwards and I'll go with Jokic as my center this is leaving off Embiid I know, I know (laughs) but oh well
3: I like that. I'm going to have to go Stephen Curry as my guard. I want Shea as my second guard. Oh. And then I'm going to put... That's a good one. Tatum, okay. Giannis,
2: and then um, Joker. That's going to be my five. I think... I'm also taking Steph. He's been ballistic this year. He's mm-hmm. been just nuts. Uh, also, Luka. Same with him. Yeah. I think both those guys are at the point where they're basically carrying their teams offensively. Yeah. And then... I'm gonna take Joker, K D. Yeah, probably similar. I'm probably taking Tatum too. It's yeah. it's looking like right now very like super competitive with a few guys like being left off that are yep. so close to that first team mark. But K D has especially been impressive. He had that stretch where he was basically just left alone to be the offense on the Suns and <laughs> did a shockingly well job for guys. Thirty <laughs> what, thirty thirty five, thirty six, something yeah. like that. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Getting up there, but yeah, it's been he's been pretty good for them.
0: AJ. I'm going. Steph, Shea, Tatum, Giannis, and Bede. I like it. That's my five. So I like the Shea. I like what I'm seeing so far from all those guys. Last thing before we get out of here. One thing you miss. From the NBA 10 years ago. Shout out to Tim. This is a, a fire question. So yeah, that was boy, 2013, Tim. 2014 season. What do you miss? I'll start with you, Tim, since you did this. What do you miss from 2013?
4: There's a couple things I miss. Um, I'm going to go with two options here. I'm going to go with NBA 2K14. Ooh. That was a good 2K. It was my <laughs> wow. first one. I think it was the first one I got on th- the Xbox three uh, 360. Holds a special place in my heart. Taking you guys back. This is the Heatles. This is LeBron on the cover throwing up the chalk. It was a really Dude. good game. And then the other thing I am going to take is sleeve jerseys. I don't know why. Oh my god! I like them. <laughs> I might be the only one, but I have a special spot in my heart that for that Christmas the commercial jerseys. they all did in the sleeve jerseys. Oh, jersey, my that god. is an absolute. you remember that? That's an yeah. The Jingle balls. And then who yep. does it? Who does LeBron finish with the dunk at the yep. end? Yep,
3: that great commercial. That's a good one. I'm gonna have to go piggyback up Tim and say 2K. That was such a revolutionary game for just me. I played that game so much, playing with the Heat as well. I just, I just really enjoyed that 2K, and I always ran with my father and played that game. So I'm gonna have to go with 2K.
2: You know what? I, I will say LeBron because it's not, it's not, it's every like 20 years you get to witness a peak like that. You yeah, know, like yeah. it's, it's like as, a, as an NBA fan, it's like you're not gonna witness any player being that good till like
4: we know, are all play. witnesses. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but
2: one other, one other random one, the grit and grind Grizzlies. That's Bring a good bat, one. The grit and grind oh, wow. they, they went to the they went to the conference finals that year. That team was so much fun. I, I love that they're just like their whole identity was just being like the most annoying second round exit ever. Yeah, they're just <laughs> just, defensively, just like, man. They are going to be a second round exit, but they're going to injure like two year players. Like Mike Conley, <laughs> oh man, Tony Allen. Conley. Conley's fantastic. That, I love him. Zebo, Gasol, man. Zeebo. That was a great team. Grit and grinders. Wait, did he – he won – when did When did he win DPOI? Was it the year before? I think it was the year before, 12, before
4: that he got snubbed from – LeBron got snubbed and they gave it to Gasol, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Gasol
2: was
4: a, nice. A, he was yeah. good, but I think LeBron definitely deserved that defense sure. player. Yeah. It's
2: like one of those teams that you, that you look back on and it's like that didn't achieve – a lot. It's but, like the Wizards like, from
4: like 2017 with John Wall and Bradley yeah, Beal. I hold them in that them,
2: kind of spot with mm-hmm. a, um, a Lob City. Clippers. Yeah, it's yep. like they didn't they didn't do anything, but they were super fun and they were great in the playoffs.
0: They and that team, they should have done something. Oh, yeah. they were so good, oh, so much fun. All right, um, I miss going off of. Those small market teams i miss those pacers teams man Paul George. oh yeah oh, they took Paul the heat George. to six games in that season um that dunk
4: over birdman man.
0: yeah man that, those teams were just fun like and i remember being like that would have made me 11 like are the pacers really gonna beat the heat like <laughs> like i couldn't believe it but uh and then you
4: had like the original meme with lance stevenson blown in facts. lebron's ear <laughs> uh,
0: that was hilarious oh my god good times second one this might just sound cheesy but i I just miss you know it felt like the league and creativity and like the individuality with a lot of the players was in a good place like i don't know if you guys remember but like kd's shoe was out then those lows and those were the hardest thing the ones with kd like on the, the. everybody was wearing those bronze were hot like um Carmelo's were really nice Man. shoes at that time. CP three had some nice shoes. Like it Kobe's just seemed, were still in Kobe's full swing. Were, yeah, Kobe's were still rolling. Like it just seemed like everybody was doing really well. All the stars were doing their thing, and and it seemed like a lot of the really good teams had, and like established identity and a good fan base to go along with it, and and there was all kinds of cool gear out. I think fashion-wise, like, it was a, a bit of a weird time, but it was cool, though. <laughs> oh, that's, like, that's Russell Westbrook. Gla- the fake glasses. Yeah, it yeah. was like, like, it was like lashes, when all of those, right. like, bright colors were, like, in full effect Man. and, like, everybody. It, and it's it, I feel like it sort of set the tone for the way the league is now. Like, now you see guys rocking. Um, the like Kuzma Derrick, jacket. Derek White is wearing pink shoes tonight, white and pink shoes, like the pink bottoms. You see them? Yeah. Like, that's I tough. feel like that year, 2013-14, was, like, the start of us seeing some of that. Um, yeah. It's funny too, quick story. I don't know if you guys see All the Smoke, the podcast with Matt Barnes, Stephen Jackson. Mm-hmm. So Mike Bibby was on it, and he talked about how he sta- signed with Jordan. Mike Bibby is known for like having a million Jordans. He, si- he like signed with them at the start of his career, and so as a result, like he got all of like the coolest Jordans, the ones that have never come out, all that. Mm-hmm. But he said initially he was going to sign with Puma, and Puma sent him some shoes or whatever, and he said, one, the shoes did not feel good, but he said, two, they were like, they like send him all these like neon colored shoes, and this was like in the '90s, like the late '90s. And he was like, "I can't wear these, like." <laughs> and so he said he put them on, didn't like them, and he told his agent, "Like, yeah, I- I'm not signing with Puma. You need to find somebody else for me." But it's funny, he said, because he was like, now they're like still doing that, and they're doing it with Lamelo, and it's it's dope, and everybody loves it. Um, but
4: that might have been ten years ago too. I think that was Stern's last year. So I think it's just wow, kind of like a little turning of the tides when i think it's that was either silver's first year or stern's last year but it was around that time where they switched over
2: yeah there's a lot of yeah
0: he stepped down february 1st 2014 yeah there's a lot of
2: really cool like it was just a really cool era of the league i think it's also interesting cuz that was one of those times where the west was just insanely competitive i'm looking yeah. right now there is in the east there's uh the pacers and the heat are the only 50 win teams and then in the west you got the thunder are a juggernaut like the blazers are really good clippers warriors were like like that was like the pre dynasty like signs mm-hmm. and then the it spurs was right before they blew like up. Harrison yeah. Barnes at the three also oh, man. another interesting thing i was thinking about this was one of or i think it might have been like the jimmy butler breakout year not, like, full breakout, but when people realized he was going to be more than, like, you know, some yeah. random 40th pick. I, I was looking at that Bulls team because that was, like, the Joe Kim Bulls team, you know, without uh-huh. Rose and everything by yeah. this point. But he was playing big minutes on that on that Bulls team. That's really cool, too, because they were still winning 48 games. For
0: sure. Well, anybody, if nobody else has anything to add, that'll do it for another episode of the Courtside combo. You heard it here first, man. The vibes are up back in 2013. It's been 10 years since, but, hey, <laughs> still good vibes around the league, to say the least. But thank you so much for listening. Go out, be nice to people, take care of yourselves, and uh, happy Thanksgiving as well. We won't record most likely next week. Enjoy the turkey and all that, whatever you have at the table. But we'll see you the week after that, where I'm sure there will be a lot more going on around the league. This is the Courtside Convo. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, much love.